something inside of me never quite got broken completely. I knew at one point I actually felt like I made a choice not to go crazy. I wow. could choose at that point to go off the edge when uh, my mother was being horrid again or not. Welcome to SpeakBravely.com's podcast series, where individuals courageously share their stories of hardship and suffering and the steps they've taken to climb out of some very dark places. Whether you're suffering from depression, anxiety, loss of a loved one, financial hardship, addiction, loss of your home to fire, or any other adversity that has left you hopeless and lost, we hope you will find in this podcast companionship and hope. Grab a lifeline and join us as we help each other find our way back to stable ground. I'm your host, Shawnee McBride. Today we welcome Amber Palmer. Amber is a marriage and family therapist, an artist, and she's also the founder and director of the Mind Vacation Fine Arts Program in Chico, California. Amber, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Of course. Why don't you go ahead and start wherever you feel comfortable? Uh, yes, I look forward to talking about how I feel that I have resiliency and that I have survived trauma uh, and abuse over the years by the uh, resources that I was given uh, early on. And so I'd like to address my resources first and then talk about the traumas and how those resources might have helped. That's a great way uh, to do it. To be able to not stay attached to the trauma and be able to move forward. In Absolutely. So as a child, young child, I felt like before the age of four, I was loved by my parents and grandparents and we had an extended family. I was very fortunate in that I grew up as kind of a natural child where I could roam freely in the peach orchards that I lived in the middle of in Northern California. And my I had a cowbell that was like my best friend that I uh, took everywhere with me. So that alerted my parents when they needed me. I could ring the bell and I could come, then I could come running and they wouldn't worry. And so that was my safety net. I always had um, cats or dogs or pets around mm. who were like my best friend. Yeah. Then as I got older, I had people who, even if I only were around them short periods of time, they planted a seed where they showed me that they uh, loved or appreciated who I was uniquely. Mm. I had an English teacher who encouraged me to continue with the reading that I did. Books were also my solace. I would spend hours and hours uh, by myself the top of the windmills that I wasn't supposed to be in, in the, the orchards or uh, in a tree somewhere, or an old barn, and I read and I drew. So, of course, you know I love I love hearing that about your English teacher. Yes. Um, and that <laughs> books yeah. helped to save you. Yes, yes, they did. Yeah. And I also had a little lady in the, my neighborhood who, because I didn't have a lot of friends, she would invite me in and uh, encourage me to do crafts with her and, you know, give me milk and cookies and was just very delighted to have me 
be who I was. Wow, bless and people like that in yes, the world, right? Yes, yes, yes. That that was really um, very, very helpful because the rest wasn't there all mm. the time. Yeah. It was more uh, challenging. And so I had a number of different people along the way. My father also would take me fishing with him, and uh, he was a professional gambler, and he was consistently a winner, so he didn't have the gambling uh, addiction, really. Okay. It was a job. But he taught me how to study people and how mm. to trust and not trust and oh. how to read both body language, words, people's tells when they were lying or when mm -hmm. there was something. He taught me an awful lot about the game of life and my ability to uh, at least have a piece of paper and cheap watercolors or uh, a pen or pencil uh, and to draw, to kind of draw out my feelings and find some solace, solace mm -hmm. through that through my childhood. Oh, yeah, drawing and, drawing helps a lot of people. Right, but, yeah. right. And so those were the resources. And then, of course, there was, you know, the researchers of finding I could get, go to college because I could get financial aid, mm -hmm. and I'm the first woman and person in my family on both sides to ever have graduated from a, a university wow. system. And so... And I was told women don't go to school. Oh. They get married and have babies. Wow. So, well, yeah, those were some of the resources. Okay. So then, um, good thing you had some resources because yes. you've been through some stuff. Right. From a very early age, my family background was unstable and somewhat violent. Uh, early memories of my father coming home late at night with blood all over him, my mother screaming, and my father saying, it's not my blood. I'm not. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. I'm not dying. Uh, someone had attacked him in a card game. Wow. And so that was one early memory of, of witness at an early age. But it, around the age of four, I no longer was the baby. I was kicked off of the lap of being the favorite grandchild on both of my grandfather's side. And then one grandfather became extremely emotionally abusive. So I lost my position early on. That was pretty traumatic for me. And I was always a very different child mm -hmm. growing up in Yuba City. The NAN report says one of the worst cities in the world, wow. <laughs> in yeah. the United States I, to, get, <laughs> to get off on. And I was very different. And so I was... Um, uh, teased and ostracized in school early on by most of the other children. Mm -hmm. And so that was difficult for mm -hmm. me. I also realized that if I acted up in areas I didn't want to study because I'm some I'm dyslexic and ADHD. I'm sure they would have given me Ritlin if they knew about that oh. back then. So I would act up quite a bit in grammar school realized that if I didn't want to do something, if I acted up, I would just get kicked out. So I didn't. So so being yeah. rebellious. You kind of learned would, that as sort of um, an MO, a way to function and survive. Right, yeah. to buffer myself mm -hmm. and to function and survive from uh, the ridicule. I also am a, and I hate the word victim, but I like the word survivor better, <laughs> 
But there was a parent in my household who was very physically abusive to my older sister. And uh, I was a witness to that and not being able to do anything to help in that circumstance was um, extremely difficult. And I had a lot of guilt and shame um, related to that. And I also, in teenage years, one of my sister's soon-to-be husband tried to molest me on the night of her wedding shower uh, and then continued to try and harass me or molest me in my family's home over the years until I finally stood up to him and said, you touch me again and I will yell right, right here, right now in this, you know, tell you to quit touching me because he'd corner me in halls and things like that. I didn't speak up because my nickname from being a little child was hoodlum. So I had been encouraged to be the kind of rebellious, rowdy mm-hmm. one, and I didn't feel my parents would believe me. Oh, wow. And I also didn't want to break my sister's heart. Right. So there was that trauma. And um, Quick question. So when sure. you stood up to him, mm-hmm. did he stop? Uh, he thought for a second uh, I was bluffing that I wasn't. He thought that I still felt like he had something over me or that... Uh, in some way, he could harm me. When my my tone got louder, he stopped. Yeah. And he occasionally would look at me with a leer from then mm-hmm. on, and I would just look back at him like, yeah, yeah. go ahead. See, so, I, and I, just, I just pause with this moment sure. because whatever it was that happened within you that gave you the strength to do that, and who knows you know, what that takes or where that comes from or how long it takes. Um, It's different for everybody. But once you finally did. At that time, I was 18 and I was married to my first husband, who was my escape route. That was another resource out of Yuba City. Mm. And but at that point, I, I was already almost an adult and so that gave me the the strength yeah. and that I just realized he was all bluff. Yeah, yeah. That I had the upper, yeah. I had more strength than he mm-hmm. did. That must have been kind my of empowering quietness. for you just to yes. know that you could stand up to somebody. That yes, way. that was very mm-hmm. empowering mm-hmm. to me at yeah. that point. So there's been many, many other traumas along the way. You know, we spoke before the interview and um, Amber told me about just one thing after another after another. And I thought to myself, how are you here and how are you thriving? Mm. And and even the last couple of years have been rough. And and I think it goes back to those resources and that, you know, sort of the building of who you are through the years. Or maybe there's another way you would explain it. I think that that inner strength comes from something inside of me never quite got broken completely. Ah. Might have gotten splintered off for a while where I didn't even recognize that it was. I became a great imposter. Mm. I became uh, a chameleon who could fit into or tried to fit into most environments that I could. I also felt my creativity was one of my strongest, strongest resources, Mm -hmm. that I could always turn to that 
into my own inner world. And I knew at one point, I actually felt like I made a choice not to go crazy. I could choose at that point to go off the edge when uh, my mother was being horrid again or not. And I decided, mm, you know, it's kind of like choosing good and evil. I decided, no, I didn't want that. I didn't want that because then it would always be a weakness. Yeah. So instead, at a very early age, I started reading psychology books. Mm. And when my mother would act up, I would just read paragraphs from the book about what she was doing. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I could see how that would help you feel like you you had a little more understanding and a little more grounding about... What was happening to you with her? Right. And I was always drawn towards a deeper, not, even though I went to church uh, as a child, I'm not a religious person, Mm -hmm. but I'm a spiritual person. Mm -hmm. And I've always felt a deep connection to something uh, really spiritual Mm -hmm. that if I listen, I feel connected to some direction and over the years and more so of late the joy of manifesting and the joy of letting go of things that happened i don't have to be those memories themselves i can remember them Mm -hmm. and forgiveness isn't one of my big ones but uh, it's not also like I don't harbor and go over and over and over again the same scenario. Mm-hmm. I Learning the Zen of letting things go yeah. has been really helpful for me. Not forgetting, but the forgiveness comes from myself yeah. and for myself as much as becoming non-attached that I no longer harbor resentful and negative and uh, crippling emotions towards this person. They're no longer that important to me. Well, and then that frees you up to live your life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Without being encumbered by that. uh, And overcoming physical pain, that's a hard one. Yeah. But I've had lots of people who have been there to help me as an adult along the way. Mm -hmm. And so that I've had several people who have died of either cancer or Alzheimer's or you know, one of those. Well, and I know you just, you lost things. your husband recently. Oh, yes. And I lost my husband. I lost my dog uh, <laughs> just before my husband. And then I lost my husband uh, last year. But I just kind of, I had so much love and appreciation. And during this time frame that things were happening, I was in the process of having the artist collect as they love to be called and Mm -hmm. I love to call them, building a sanctuary in my backyard that is so peaceful Mm -hmm. and meditative. And I have a koi pond with uh, several koi fish and really beautiful landscaping. And so when uh, my husband was um, dying and um, in and out of the hospital and other things were happening that were uh, very anxiety-creating, I would go and count my fish 
and make sure my fish were there. That's <laughs> were the therapy there. there, right? Yeah, it's just like you know, some people count sidewalks. <laughs> I counted my fish. I so, love it. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, so. and just knowing you, and um, I, I've just gotten to know you, um, especially this last year, I've gotten to mm-hmm. know you a little more, um, and watching um, what you have done with this art collective and just seeing the way that you are joyful and spread joy and encourage other artists and help empower other people. It's really amazing listening to all that you've been through, just thing after thing after thing. And then to see you now and how you're thriving and boy, it sure I would think would give a lot of people hope that no matter what you've been through, there are ways to still live and find joy and move forward and that resilience is real. Yes, resilience is real. And finding joy and gratitude are the strengths that can help you let go of those things that are like quicksand. Yeah. And letting go of the shame that is oftentimes attached to traumas that even though they weren't your fault. Yeah. But one of the things I realized that I inherited from my father that I think has also helped me, especially now, is after my father died, uh, his best friend, he said that he had never met a man who was as kind as my father was. Kind is a value. Being kind is something that helps me feel good about myself as well as the beginning of spreading joy to others and it doesn't cost anything no and it's yeah you create connection and, so, and friendships yes and, yeah and then it's exponential so, beyond there and once it's sort of contagious yes once you become that kind of motivation and um, and tap into that energy that mm-hmm. creative powerful manifesting abundance of energy yeah. and abundance of whatever it just continues to multiply and it spreads joyously throughout the world yeah those who are suffering and and are in a really dark place where do they start i think starting with being okay with experiencing that emotion, Mm. whatever it might be, if it might be grief or loss or anger or whatever, allowing yourself to really recognize that, honor that feeling, and then call in your other resources Mm -hmm. to, and the other parts of you being self-nurturing, I think is really, really valuable. And forgiving yourself. And laughter. Forgiving yourself and laughter Laughter. and humor. And dark humor. I have the darkest humor (laughs) ever. I I love dark humor. Even my children have it. Every time um, that song, uh, The Reindeers Ran Over. Grandma Grandma. got ran over. Yeah, Grandma got over. That kids would sing it and giggle. And because their grandma got ran over. They were adults when that happened. But, you know. Well, um. I uh, re- I appreciate you being here today, Amber, and um, we're going to bring our interview to a close now. Now, as many of my viewers know, at the end of my interviews, I like to have my guests share something that has helped them heal. Some form of self-expression, whether it's music, poetry, art, or something they've read. 
In the video version of this podcast, Amber shares her artwork and talks about the ways in which it's helped her heal. If you'd like to see Amber's art wall, click on her YouTube interview linked below. Fast forward to the last part of the video and there you'll see it. Again, thank you, Amber, and thanks to our guests for listening. If you'd like to hear more podcasts like these, visit our website, speakbravely.com, and access our listener's corner. And if you have a survival story you'd like to share, please consider contacting us also through our site. Signing off now, may peace and healing be with you.